The message you're listening to was recorded by Campus Outreach for the 2018 New Year's Conference. More information about New Year's Conference can be found at newyearsconference.com. Well, I printed 50 handouts. Uh, I kind of was thinking there'd be three or four people here, but I didn't think there'd be this many, so that's awesome. I'm excited uh, to get to be with y'all. Uh, let me um, let me pray, and and then I'll we'll, we'll kind of dive into the, the content, and then I'm going to leave some time at the end for questions. I'd lo- I, I'm more of like a back-and-forth question person, so I'd love to, love to answer some questions. So let me pray and, uh, and jump in. Lord, thank you so much um, for bringing these students. I have, they've been on my mind a lot the last few days, and honestly, just am, am thankful to get to be here, thankful uh, to get to hear and sit under your word uh, in these seminars and get to praise you. Um, thank you for, for being here, to, for being present in this place. And I do pray for the next few minutes that you would uh, give me clarity of thought and mind, help my voice uh, to project so that that um, we can hear from you. And Lord, I, I pray that your word would speak truth to us. I pray that each and every one of these students would feel a breath of fresh air, um, some joy, and honestly, just as um, as Maddie B said uh, today, this just that we would would want to be sent out as a force for good. Pray that these students would be empowered, that literally everything they do is for the glory of God. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So uh, my name is Travis Stevens. Uh, I am the, uh, the mobilization director in, in Lexington, Kentucky. And um, I love to laugh. I have a ridiculous laugh. Um, I laugh really hard and really loud. And honestly, people laugh at me because I'm laughing, and, and I don't know, sometimes I think it's because the, the, the topic is funny, uh, but I, a lot of times I honestly think it's probably because they just think I'm ridiculous, and uh, I'm laughing at ridiculous things. So I, um, I titled this, this talk, Laughing Out Loud and Other Things That Matter to God. Um, it, the majority of what we're going to be talking about really is glorifying God in all aspects of life, including laughter, but I thought... Why not? Let's dive all just a second on laughter. Let's talk uh, a little bit about that as we open up as a specific kind of application to this talk. So uh, a word about laughter. But before that, let me uh, quick next. This is my family. I have two uh, beautiful little angelic beings that live in my house. Um, three, including my wife. Um, she's five foot tall, so I guess that would consider little. And um, <laughs> they're uh, so... Emily, my wife, uh, and then Kate is our oldest. She's about to turn three. And then Juliet is, is one. So they are a joy to my heart. Um, next. So I'll just say this first. So um, this is one of my favorite memes of all time, literally, because, because literally you're laughing because every one of y'all have either been that guy or been sitting at the lunch table with that guy in like second grade when he's getting roasted and there's nothing that he can do but just you know and, and, and that's why I love it I, I, uh, and I, I love that I get to share that in a formal setting because it's amazing and um, so a little word about laughter it, it is a biblical thing I mean I was reading an article the other day and it was asking like did Jesus laugh and um and the overwhelming answer is yes, he laughed. He was human. That's, it's, a, it's a very part, a, a big part of what it means to be human is, is to experience emotion. 
And, but it's biblical. It's Proverbs 17, 22 says, a, joy, a joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. I have in my Bible written, uh, cackle equals godliness, um, <laughs> right next to that. And, you know, so it is a biblical thing. Ephesians, or, uh, Ecclesiastes 3 says that there is a time for every matter under heaven, uh, including a time to laugh and a time to mourn. And so laughter is biblical. I'm going to show you all a couple more memes, and then we'll get into it. Um, <laughs> I just love this one because it is such a dad move. Like uh, when I when I say nice mask to someone, uh, not someone not wearing a Halloween mask. Uh, I'm not gonna go there. My two, my two year old told someone, "What's wrong with your face?" on Christmas break. And uh, so we had to like, my wife was quick enough to say, oh, you mean she has glasses on? Yeah, mommy has glasses too. You know, you'll have, maybe have glasses. And thankfully she went along with it. She's like, yeah, glasses, glasses. And, uh, but it was something like that. This, this one kills me. This kid is here jumping on trampolines with two broke legs and you can't text back. <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I just love it. So good. <laughs> Why, why can't why can't you hit me back? You know? uh, here's another one. Uh, I promise, only have five of these, so we're not gonna spend the whole time looking at names. But I love church signs. I saw this one live and live and direct. The best vitamin for a Christian is B1. Um, love it. The P, I love envisioning the older man who's putting that sign up and taking this is gonna get him. You know, like you know, and and, and just thank it, man. Good to God, he's done it for him. Yeah. Um, and then I just love awkward family photos. I mean, this is amazing. The amount of hairspray and feathering that was done by both individuals and and those cats. I mean, it's just, I know some of y'all love cats, but I, I think they're kind of ridiculous. And um, I'm more of a dog person. So anyways, I love to laugh. I hope y'all love to laugh. I'm so thankful to get to share some of those memes uh, with you and, and others. Other jewels. I really wish I could have put more up, but we just can't. So um, I wanted to say one thing. So I was reading about laughter uh, this couple weeks ago, and I was reading this this book by a guy named uh, G.K. Chesterton, and I was I was looking for an image of him, and all I could find are these images where he was super stoic. <laughs> um, and then I I came across this one, and I understood why he doesn't smile much. Um, next. You know, he just, bless his heart, you know, it was just one of those things with the teeth. And, but he had an awesome, okay, next. That was mean, I'm sorry. He's a, uh, but I love this quote. This is a, a really incredible quote. So he says about laughter, about enjoyment, amusement. He says, the tremendous figure which fills the gospel towers in this respect, as in every other above all thinkers who ever thought themselves to be tall. His pathos was natural, almost casual. The Stoics, ancient and modern, were proud of concealing their tears. He never concealed his tears. He showed them plainly on his open face at any daily sight, such as the far sight of, of his native city. Yet he concealed something. Solemn supermen and impartial diplomats are proud of restraining their anger, yet he, renever, he never restrained his anger. He flung furniture down the footsteps the front steps of the temple and asked men how they expected to escape the damnation of hell. Yet he restrained something. I say it with reverence. There was in that shattering personality a thread that we, that we must call shyness. 
There was something that he hid from all men when he went up to the mountain to pray. There was something that he covered constantly by abrupt silence or impetuous isolation. There was some one thing that was too great for God to show us when he walked upon the earth. And sometimes I fancied that it was myrrh, which means amusement, especially as expressed by laughter. Um, and I was reading that, I was just thinking, dude, this is, he's talking about Jesus, he's talking about how, I mean, no one knows what, exactly what it was like when Jesus was communing with the Father, or when he would rise early in the morning to go be with God. But for Chesterton, he likes to think that it might have been that he was just overjoyed, like laughter almost, uh, because of, he was accomplishing the will of the Father, and that's what he loved to do. And so I just think laughter really is a big part of what it means to be human. And it's, it was something that Jesus experienced. And, um, and so I, I wanted to just sort of start with that and just say, um, just enjoy it. I don't think a lot of people in the Christian life talk about it enough. Um, it really is a deeply a part of what it means to be human. And, I, and I, I, we can overdo it. We can laugh at times when we should be mourning or, or crying or whatever, uh, and it's inappropriate. But I definitely think that we need to enjoy a good laugh, a good hearty laugh. And, uh, and Jesus certainly did. So let me, uh, let me outline our time, and, uh, and I, I really will be brief. I'm going to bombard you all with quotes and stuff. Don't feel like you've got to like, write all these down. I've got handouts, but I only printed out 50 of them, so there's no way I'm going to be able to get them distributed to you. But I will, on the app, I will load the, um, the PDF of that on there so you can download it from the app. Um, you just go to this seminar, and you'll be able to like, download that Google thing. And... Um, and, and so you'll have our note, the notes, so don't feel like you got to jot all this down. Um, but I love this topic. My wife uh, and I were talking about it, and it is, it's just part of who I am is, is this, this, ta- this topic. And so I, like, I couldn't not hold back any of these quotes and cool passages and stuff. So I'm just going to hit you with them. Write them down if you want. Don't write them down if you don't. It's not a big deal. But you're about to be bombarded, so get ready. Um, the first, uh, our first point is God is committed to his own glory because he is the pinnacle of glory. And I want to help us see that our chief aim in life is to reflect the glory of, of that which is supremely glorious. Um, God is glorious, and therefore he is committed to being truthful to the fact that he is the most glorious thing that there ever was. Second is the most glorious thing about you and I is that we are made in the image of God. And so that has tremendous uh, importance. It means that you have dignity simply because you are a human. And, and those of you that, that would call Christ your Lord, you have an even greater dignity. You get to be called the, the sons and daughters of the King Most High. Um, every human has dignity because you've been made in the image of God, but you certainly have dignity because He came and purchased you with the, His blood on the cross and His resurrection from the dead. That's as simple as it gets uh, when you're talking about the gospel. And, this, and the third point is the mundane aspects of life uniquely display the glory of God. And this is really what this talk's all about, is I hope that y'all walk away knowing that I can cut the grass, that I can brush my teeth, that I can uh, do my, my roommate's laundry, that I can change a dirty diaper, um, all to the glory of God. All of life, not just evangelism and discipleship, is therefore significant to God because of who we are reflecting. So therefore, it says to the rest of the watching world, 
something different is about me because I am a child of the King. Let's start with um, the first one there. God is committed to his own glory because he is truly the pinnacle of all glory. Isaiah uh, 40, verse 25 to 26. To whom then will you compare me that I should be like him, says the Holy One. Let, hey, can everybody hear me, by the way? Those in the back. I have like a hoarse voice, as you can tell, and I'm trying to, I'll probably be sipping Diet Dew and, um, and trying to get through this talk. I've uh, been praying that the Lord would sustain me even just, just, just through now. So if y'all can't hear me, I'd rather you holler out or something um, than go the whole talk and waste your time and you know everything. So uh, just say, hey, I can hear you. Thanks for that announcement. Um, so it says the Holy Lord. <laughs> Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. He who brings out their hosts by number, calling them by name, by the greatness of his might. And because he is strong in power, not one is missing. Um, Romans 11, 33 through 36. Oh, the depth and the riches of the knowledge of, of God. Oh, how unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord and who has been his counselor? Or who has given him a gift? that he might be repaid. For from him, through him, and to him are all things. To him be glory forever and ever. God is the most glorious thing that's ever existed. And therefore, he and he's true. He's absolutely true. There's nothing about him that's false. And so for him to be committed to anything less than his glory would be to tell a lie, a cosmic lie. That's why he's committed to his own glory. And as we'll see in a second, that the when you and I are committed to our own glory, when I live for the story and glory of Travis Stevens instead of the story and glory of Christ, that's selfishness, right? But for him, it's not selfishness because the God God is a Trinity. He's he's three in one, and so when when Jesus is trying to glorify, bring glory, he's doing it for God and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. It's glorifying God, and it's it's a dance. They're all glorifying the other. So it would be like me saying, I'm for the story and glory of Travis. That's all I live for, man. That's all I want is me. That is different than me saying, I want to make sure that the Stephen's name is honored. Does that make sense? That my daughters can be proud that I that I was their father. That's a different sort of, of glory. And that's what I think what we see when we say God is about his own glory. It's not because he's selfish. It's not, number one, he's true, and so he has to be committed to it. But then, two, he's love, and he loves, um, he loves what's, what's truly lovely. And we get to enter into that love. Um, and so that's really what, what I want you all to see is that God is, is glorious. And so what it means, we don't add to God's glory. Uh, there's a verse in Acts that talks about, we, there's not that we don't. He's not in, served in temples as though he needed a, our service or our worship. We don't add to his glory, but what we do is we reflect the glory that re, he really already has. Um, okay, so Revelation four um, talks about worthy are you, o, o Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things, and by the by your will they existed and were created. There's an author named Tim Keller who, um, who talks about this dynamic I'm talking about with the, with the, the Godhead, the Trinity. Um, next, next slide, please. Um, he, he says, in self-centeredness, we demand that others orbit around us. We will do things and give affection to others as long as it helps us meet our personal goals and fulfills us. 
The inner life of the triune God, however, is utterly different, characterized not by self-centeredness, but by mutually self-giving love. Each of the divine persons centers upon the others. None demands that the others revolve around him. Each voluntarily circles around the other two, pouring love, delight, and adoration on them. Each person of the Trinity loves, adores, defers to, and rejoices in the others. And that's what we get to enter into. That's why it's glorious to laugh and to cut the grass and to do your laundry and whatever else. Like, because we are, there is a cosmic thing going on here for glory that, that Jesus has purchased us. And I don't want y'all to walk away from this talk and just think, I want to try to do better or whatever. I want you to know that the most, the most important thing that you need to know is that Jesus came. He loved you so much that he wanted you to enter into this dance that he's talking about. He came and died so that you could be made right with him. If you could do it on your own, then why would Jesus need to come? That's what clicked for me about 11 years ago at a New Year's conference just like this. I was, I was, I was sitting in, these, in a seminar just like this, uh, and a guy was, t- was teaching, and it just clicked for me. Well, if I, if, if I could do it on my own, then why would Jesus, why would God go to such great lengths to have me if I could do it myself? Because all my life I've been trying to do it for God. I've been trying to earn that. And it, 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 it finally clicked that, no, Jesus paid it all because all to him I owe because there's, I couldn't do it. Um, so that's what we get to enter into. So the question I have for you is, have you trusted in Christ? Have you entered into the dance that you were made to enter into? That, that's why he, he made create humanity was to bring you into that love. Uh, he wanted you to be fulfilled. He wanted you to laugh heartily and mightily. He wanted you to have joy into the full. And that's why he saved you. Um, so if you haven't, I'm not, uh, with a crowd this size, there's no way y'all all have put your faith in Christ. And even if you have, do it again right now. Because you need to. Every day you need to wake up and say, who's, who's am I? Um, so, okay, so next point. The most glorious thing about you is that you were made in the image of God. Genesis 1.27. If you've been around uh, the church, you've probably heard this first, but I want to unpack it a little bit. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God has, is a creative God. Therefore, if we're made like him, we're made to be creative. We're made to create art and produce film and to write books and to make things because that's what he did. He's creative. And God has made us in his own image. He is glorious beyond all measure, beyond anything that you could possibly dream of. And so therefore, just because you're human, your life, is, it matters. And so that, this should give you dignity. You should, you should, when you believe something less about yourself than what God believes about you, you're choosing to believe a lie instead of telling yourself the truth that you're made in, in the image of that which is most glorious. So don't walk away from this seminar and think that you're anything less than the best just simply because you're human. And you're in, and just like me and you, we're, all bro- like, we're like broken mirrors. We can still reflect the image, of, uh, the, imi- the, the image of what you're seeing, but it's broken because of sin. And we need to be, made, we need to be healed. We need to have that, that mirror restored so that we can reflect the glory uh, of that image. And that's what Matthew 5 is, is all about, is, is in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who's in heaven. Um, 
There's a, a couple quotes I'll, I'll drop on y'all. Every man, simply because he is a man, should be recognized, respected, and dealt with as a creature after the divine likeness. Abraham Kuyper. Um, secondly, I love this one. Dorothy Sayers uh, is a contemporary of C.S. Lewis, and she wrote um, a story where she basically wrote herself into the story. She created a character. She, she loved the main character so much, and he was flawed. And she wrote herself as another character into the story, very obviously, to sort of save that character. And I think that's what Jesus did, God did in sending Jesus to save us from our sins. He wrote himself into the story. But he, she also says about us, she said, Christians must re- re- revive a centuries-old view of humankind as made in the image of God, the eternal craftsman, and of work as a source of fulfillment and blessing, not as necessary drudgery to be undergone for the purpose of making money, but as a way of life in which the nature of man should find its proper exercise and delight. So, and so fulfill itself in the glory of God, that it should in fact be thought of as creative activity undertaken for the love of the work itself, and that man, made in God's image, should make things as God makes them for the sake of well, of doing well a thing that's well worth doing. Um, I just love this quote. It's full of stuff. I mean, that's why I'm going to send it to y'all to go read it again. Because it's the we are made to be creative. We're made to find joy in our work. You're not made to just make a paycheck so you can support a missionary or adopt someone from a foreign country or whatever, even provide for your family. You're, you, you do a job because it's, that's what you were made to do. All of, all of you were made to be creative um, and, to, and to, to create industry. Jonathan Rhodes, another one. Uh, our work, our families, our marriages, our art, our science, our good gifts, they are not sub-spiritual things to be indulged in during a guilty moment, all the while wondering if we shouldn't be really praying or evangelizing. How many of y'all have struggled with that? I mean, every day I think, is it just as spiritual for me to be changing my kid's diaper right now uh, than to be reading my Bible or to be praying for the lost or whatever? It is because of what it says about the glory of the God we serve. They're not sub-spiritual things. Um, That you, because you have the glory of God in you as an image bearer, you... You bring glory to Him in all that you do. They are or should always be making the earth more pleasant to live in. On to the next one. Okay, last point. Okay, question. Do you believe that cleaning your car is just as glorifying as reading your Bible? That's the question you got to ask yourself. Is that, do I really see that this is just as glorifying? Do I see that making a good grade on a test is as glorifying as showing up at the campus meeting? Um, it matters to God. All those things matter, not just, not just your spiritual resume, because all of life is worship. Third point, the mundane aspects of life uniquely display the glory of God. And this is the thing I've been stuck on. This is the thing that's been kind of rolling around in my head and really influencing me in the last, um, really, probably six months. I was asked to speak at a thing and to some dental students, and I started studying this, and I was just like, man, the mundane actually probably says more to the world than anything else. And the reason why it does is because it's abundantly clear in Scripture that we are meant to, everything we do is for the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. Colossians 3, whatever you do, word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Give thanks to, the, to God the Father. And whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord, not for men. Um, 1 Peter 4, 
Love this one. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To Him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And then in Matthew, and whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is my disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. Jesus is watching you as you serve him. Every single thing you do, even a cup of cold water, which when this was written was to an audience that that would just be normal. When you come in the house, you offer your guest a cup of cold water. And he's saying even, the, even that small act of faithfulness, it will by no means lose the reward associated with it. So uh, this quote from George Washington Carver, this guy was, um, was, he was called the peanut man. He came up with 300 ways to use the peanut. Some say he saved the, the economy of the South during a time when, when cotton was exiting as a major cash crop. And this guy had patents. He, he developed all these different things. He only patented three of them because he wanted everyone to have access to his inventions. He, was, he had an opportunity to speak to Congress uh, during a time when a man like him would not, would not be able to come and do that. He was offered a six-figure job back, way back when. I, I don't even remember how old this cat is, but um, with, that it was a six-figure job back then, which in today's money would be $2.5 million, and a chance to work with Thomas Edison, who for some of you guys, he bit the light bulb. Um, but he's, and this, he has this quote, and his quote is really the, I guess, the, what's the, the, uh, the main point of what this whole talk's about. When you can do the common things of life in an uncommon way, you will command the attention of the world. I think the watching world is waiting for Christians to do those little things well and then to say, why in the world do they care about that? And the reason why is because it's done as worship for a God who's extremely worthy of even you cleaning the, the dried up blueberry in your bowl of cereal because of what it says to, about the God that you serve. Um, I'm going to drop a couple more on you, and then I'm going to get some questions. For every, um, this is John Calvin, he says, for every work performed in obedience to one's calling, no matter how ordinary and common, is most radiant, is radiant, most valuable in the eyes of the Lord. Third one, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. says, if a man is called to be a street sweeper, he should sweep streets at, even as Michelangelo painted or as Beethoven composed music or Shakespeare wrote poetry. He should sweep streets so well that all the hosts of heaven and earth will pause to say, here lived a great street sweeper who did his job well. Would people, I mean, would people say that about you? Would they say, man, this, this girl took being a student seriously. Man, she served our socks off in this extracurricular activity. Uh, or man, he, was, he did his job well on the, on the athletic field or whatever. I mean, this is what we're talking about. This is, this is the, behind everything else about the Christian life is a glory thing. And so I, just, I pray that you get, you get a hold of your heart. There's, uh, Abraham Kuyper says, there is not one square inch on the whole plane of human existence over which Christ, who is Lord over all, does not proclaim, this is mine. You can, when I'm mowing my grass, I, I love to mow grass. I, I don't know why. I just, uh, 
Something about ministry, it's never done. Like, y'all, it's always sort of in process. There's never a completed task. My wife loves to cook simply because there's we finish it and we wash the dishes and it's done. Uh, I mow the grass for the same reason, but when I mow my grass, I'm thinking, I'm, listen, I'm usually listening to music or something, and I'm thinking, this Jesus owns this. This is his, <laughs> which is ridiculous. But um, it is, it, if you would have that thought in all that you do, it will change the way you think about your car being clean or how you serve your roommates or you are literally his representative, his ambassador. Jesus is occupying the space in this world where you occupy. And only you can be where you are. I know it sounds dumb, but it is, it's true. Like, and so Jesus has commissioned you to be right where you are and to claim whatever it is to, for his glory. And so I really do hope that empowers you. I hope that you don't feel like the, the only thing you can do to glorify God is do OIA and share your faith with somebody uh, on a beach project. Like, it's, it's really important all you do, including laughing out loud. Last thing, I'm just going to uh, ask a couple questions, and I do want y'all to, you know, dialogue this a little bit. So what is an area of your life that you can consecrate to the Lord this year? Man, this is, uh, it's crazy that this is the last day of the year. So this is the last day of 2018, and it's pretty cool. Y'all are spending it consecrating your life to the Lord. Y'all are taking notes. Y'all are listening. Y'all are talking with people in the hallway about what you're learning. Um, man, it's, it's a great way to spend this year. But think about what, the, what 2019 is going to look like. Is there an area of your life that can, you can say, I'm going to claim that area for King Jesus because it belongs to him and, that, and he's the rightful owner and I'm going to make sure everybody in the world knows that that's his. That should empower you. How can you be more aware of his glory in all that you do this year? What's like just like what I'm saying when I'm cutting the grass. Like I say that to myself so that I remember I'm not just cutting the grass. This is not just a time to escape. This is not just a time where my kids aren't, you know, grab my leg and pull my, you know, hair and wrestle me and stuff. It's a time where I can say this is this is yours, God. This belongs to you. My whole house, my yard included, it's yours. Thirdly, how has God uniquely gifted you to display his glory? Each one of y'all, that first Peter passage says this, each one of y'all has been given various graces from the Lord. And he's given you opportunities to display his glory in unique ways, in beautiful ways. Use those. Leverage those for the gospel. If you want to spiritualize this, use that thing that he's given you and use it for his glory. Use it as an opportunity to bring up spiritual things with someone or to, to honor him in those, those small things. That's all I got. Let me pray, and then I really would love some questions. So uh, let me pray. Lord, thank you so much for this group. Um, Father, you are, you are good, and your word endures forever. I pray that your word would take root in our hearts. Um, I pray this for myself. I pray that you would light me on fire, and that, I would, uh, that people would come to see me burn, Lord. They would come to see what's different about me, um, and that, I think, is that the mundane things of life have eternal significance because of what they say about an eternal and valuable God. Father, would you help each and every one of these students to know that everything they do, including laughter and cutting up and enjoying fellowship, they bring glory to God. And that you, Lord, even when you were here with us incarnate, you found amusement to be something that was 
deeply spiritual and deeply uh, personal. Um, Father, would you glorify yourself in these students' lives? Would you help each of them to do a thing well that's well worth doing, to recapture uh, a view of all of life that it really does matter and that the mundane says something special about who you are? I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Campus Outreach. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without written permission from Campus Outreach. For more information, we invite you to visit us online at newyearsconference.com.